minutes to go in normal time. Liverpool 3-0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Welcome to the Redscast podcast. It's me, Massey, and I'm joined by Paul, Jay, and Dean. Smash this, smash the young one. <laughs> How are we all doing? Not bad yourself? Uh, not bad, not bad. I'd have been better to, but if uh, the Reds would have won last night, like, but. I'm sure we'll get into that. Jesus Christ. Look at that smile, look at that smile on his face now. <laughs> <laughs> um, go on, Jay, you can introduce him. Uh, so, this is Paul. Paul is one of the fellas who I work with, and unfortunately for us, he's a Man City, Man City, uh, he's a Man City fan, aren't you? I am, boys, I am, yeah, and uh, thanks for having me on tonight. I've been looking forward to coming on and uh, speaking all things about Liverpool and Man City. Yeah, so we'll start with you, Jay, disappointing. We'll go back to the game yesterday, disappointed. Um, <laughs> disappointed, pissed off. Just... I just don't understand how you can go from the two really good performances against Spurs and against West Ham to lacking absolutely everything all over the park. And, you know, the, 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 for my own fucking well-being, I like to try and look at the positives and things. I thought the keeper done all right. He kept us in yeah. at the times. And Nat Phillips made me eat my own fucking words from the last time <laughs> I was on here when I said he wasn't a good footballer because I thought he'd done really well. But everything, everything else was just absolutely... Poor all across. It was worrying to watch at times. Dean, when Bobby Firmino plays crap, we pull play crap. Is that a fair judgment? Going forward, yeah, I, I agree with Jay. I thought at the back we were pretty solid, and I think this is symptomatic of our little run. To be honest, is that the problems aren't at the back, and we've gone out and bought two centre halves in a transfer window. And granted, we've got two long-standing injuries, and, and obviously Matip's out for the rest of the season. But at the same time. For me, it was glaringly obvious Liverpool are crying out for a proper centre forward. Like, if I agree what you're saying, mm. Firmino. It's not when Firmino plays crap, it's when Firmino's marked out the game. And Firmino plays his game in front of the back four. Everything with Firmino is in front of the back four. Yeah. So, when you have a team that just sits back, sits on the edge of their own 18 yard box, he's not going to get anywhere. Not, nothing's going to happen. So, I think it's not so much that Firmino played crap. I just thought that. Brighton just defended for the lives and, and it was bound to happen to be honest I think there's a blueprint to beat Liverpool now Sam Allardyce got it didn't he yeah and to be fair it was a proper Allardyce performance but now everyone's doing it isn't it I think there's teams we can play against and teams we can't and I think anyone who wants to go toe to toe with Liverpool is going to get beaten which is why I'm fairly confident about Sunday to be honest but when you look at the likes of Brighton Burnley to an extent I thought West Ham would have done it but he didn't I don't know why he didn't I thought Spurs would have done it, but I think Mourinho took us lightly. Um, I think those type of teams that, that are happy to sit in are going to get results against Liverpool, and I, I can see it happening throughout the rest of the season. But I think the teams that go toe-to-toe with us, like Man City, I, I think they're, um, they're in for a hard time. It was a good result for you, wasn't it, Paul? You just went seven points clear again. Yeah, really good result. The performance was good as well. We got the, um, the early goal, which is massive for us at the moment because we just not... Um, letting teams create chances against us. We're just shutting them out straight away, which under Pep is quite a first time, really. Our defences, you'd always feel as though you could get at City. You'd always feel like you get two or three good chances, at least in a game. You know, you've obviously seen the games between us over the years and just these games where you've scored a couple of times. 
Um, but we just squeeze the life out of the team. Yeah. So we defend well as a team all over the pitch. We sprint back now with the same amount of effort and eagerness as we will do with a counter-attack. And you'll, you'll, I think you'll see that on Sunday, the times when you do look to break on us and everyone will rush back. And all it'll take is one player with like a, rather than to keep going forward, one inside pass or a backward pass and we've got our shape back again. And said so we are very hard to break down. I think Diaz has made a massive, massive um, improvement on what we had there. Um, I'm looking forward to Sunday's game. Just with the, what you were saying then about how you found it this season with teams hard to break down with, with teams not doing that against the last season. Um, is this like a, you know a new thing or no, are you just struggling to break them down with players maybe not in form and obviously with your injuries? I think personally it was obviously last time last season we were finding a little bit easier to break down, but I think obviously we're a little bit slower as well this season. I think we, we've gone two or three years well since Klopp started really playing to this intensity, and this is the season where we've had a four week pre season. On top of, we haven't really changed much going forward. And I think the players are just knackered. I think yeah. that intensity is bound to catch up with you at some point. You can't play like that four seasons on the bounce, reach 90-plus no, no. points every season. At some point, you're going to get found out. And I think it's partly yeah. Liverpool have been found out now, and it's partly that we're unfit. Well, not unfit, but we're, it's catching up with us. The intensity's caught up with us. Yeah, I think it's like you just said, the demands that have been placed on you are us for the last... Well, you look at your last three full seasons. You won the league last year. The year before, we went toe-to-toe with us for, for what, six, seven months. Uh, it went right down to the wire. You also won the Champions League. And then the year before that, you got to the Champions League final. So it's been been two and a half, three years of like being full tilt. And that's going to take its effect on anyone, isn't it, really? And I think the players are... Your front three especially. I think Carragher did something on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago. And it does feel like your front three have been... You know they've drained every everything they can out of them over the last three years, and it's maybe they just just need a break. I think and he obviously brought Jota in, and he was doing really well for you. And unfortunately for you, he got injured. Um, we are. I just I think it's a culmination of things, really, isn't it? Like you said, they've, they've been they've been taken to the limit the last three years, and eventually it is going to catch up on you. Jay, you um, if you look at say City last season, they had a poor season in terms of their standards. I know Liverpool are unbelievable, but would you say that this is now our poor season and we're going to rebuild on it like City have this year, next year? Um, I wouldn't even say a poor season. I just think it's a poor... What is it now? Six, six seven games? I because uh, as when we beat Tottenham and we went top of the league, everyone was saying, yeah, Liverpool back to form again. Liverpool flying, going to win the league. And then now it's... Because I think at the time, Paul, you were having quite a little bit of a blip, weren't you? Yeah, I think I think um, last season, um, it, it wouldn't have mattered how good we were last season because what you were doing, it was like, what, 2.7, 2.8 points per game you were averaging. And we would have been at our very, very best to, to keep up with that. And I think once you get, we went to Anfield, that was in October, November, when you beat us. Um, was it 3-1? I can't even remember now. Last season. Um, last season, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think we we go end up being like 11 points behind around that. I'm not too sure. I should have checked. Um, and I think just psychologically, then it gets in the players' heads and you think, well, a little bit further behind. And, you know, you, you could have kicked off earlier one weekend and that could have then taken to 14 points. And then just a little bit of doubt coming to the players' minds. And I think that may, may well happen on Sunday if we were to get a positive result there. If we draw... Um, 
or even win and extend the lead. I think then it might just then just subconsciously seep into the players that maybe the league may go. Um, and they might then start focusing on the Champions League a little bit more and then the gap could grow a little bit more. But I don't think it's... Obviously, you watch your games more than me. I probably watch you four or five times a season. Um, but I don't think it's... I think the injuries are obviously having a massive toll. And You look at us from last season, the, we turned three players, Ake, Torres and Diaz. And Torres and Ake have been injured, had COVID, haven't started, you know, many games. Diaz is the only real player in that team last night. He wasn't there last season. But everyone else was there. Cancelo, he's like a new player. John Stones is like a new player, how he's playing. Bernardo's like a new player. Um, I just think last season, just culmination of things, you were fantastic. And we were going through a little bit of a chip, a little bit of a dip. And um, it just happens. It happens to every team, I think, doesn't it, really? Um, it's just how, how you react to that and how you come back from it. It's been a bit of a mad season as well, hasn't it? The way that there's yeah. been what nine, ten teams who were top of the, who've been top of the league. So it's yeah, yeah. Eight. Well, Southampton were top and got beaten nine 0 this week, didn't they? That's so what I mean. So it, like, I know you use our flying at the minute, and we are like awful. It's awful to watch and stuff like that. But it can just flip. So if we win Sunday, it could send you on a little bit of a spiral and mm. send us on a big run. Whereas if we get beat, then you know you have to you have to look at it and say, for me the league's gone and it's a it's a chase for the top four and you've got to concentrate on the Champions League. I, th- I think for me that's that's the only thing that that restores me faith a little bit that we might just be able to pull it back is that it's such a mad season anything can happen. City could go on a run in the next five games and lose the next five. We could go on a run and win our next five. City could lose their two games in hand and then it's it's back that it's we're still at seven points. We win on Sunday we cut it to four. So anything. I think with this season being so unpredictable, that's the only hope I've got that we can get anywhere near the league again is that anything can happen. Paul, would you say that if City was to get beat by Liverpool on Sunday, that it could maybe send you on a downward spiral or do you reckon it won't affect us that much? Um, I don't think it'll affect us that much, to be honest, I think. I think before last night's results, I'd have taken nil-nil um, because we thought then would have, we'd have kept the four points difference We'd have then been to Anfield, we've been to Old Trafford, we've been to Spurs, three grounds where we haven't done great the last few seasons. Um, and that would have been then case of basically focusing on the rest of the season. No four points is a massive difference. Um, and we do have that game in hand against Everton in, uh, in 10 days. Um, I, do, I just think there's just something about City this season. We're not as, uh, we're not as dynamic going forward as maybe the 100-point season and the season we went toe-to-toe with you. We, we're a bit more efficient, a bit more of a team, a bit more of a unit. There's no like, look at our stats. Salah's leading goal scorer in the league. I think Sterling's our leading goal scorer in the Prem. And he's about about fifteenth in the league. There's no one there's no one having an, like a standout season in that sense where the numbers are ridiculous. It's more of a team. It's Gundogan, it's Bernardo they've stepped up with De Bruyne being out. Um and then it's the defensive unit behind that. Cancelo's been unbelievable. So I just think Something, there's something right at City at the moment. The way it was with you last season, you got the just going into the games confident. I said, even if we do lose, I, could, I can then see us. We've got a tough gut run of games coming up, but I just think I think we're very strong. Strength and depth and important players are playing well, and still got De Bruyne and still got Aguero to come back, what which you, is a uh, you know is encouraging for us. What do you think, Jay? Do you reckon if do you think the league done first and foremost? I think it's ninety percent done. I'll be ve- personally. I'll be very shocked if Liverpool win the league this year. Like, un- I'm, 
I looked at I seen a tweet before. It was like Liverpool's top seven most expensive signings. So like the likes of Van Dijk, Allison, Fabinho, um, Kaita, Kaita players like that, and they all had crosses next to them, bar one. And it was, I can't remember who the one was, but um, it was shallow, wasn't it? I saw that tweet, mate. Yeah, yeah. Top seven signings, but on just on a different point on that. Like, they're your top seven signings. You take Kaita out. Six of them have been unbelievable, really, haven't they? You look at like some clubs' big signings, and you maybe have like a success rate of 50 60%. That's a, the success rate of your signings there is unbelievable, really. What you know, the, the yeah, value so for it, money you've had out of them. My point to be fair is I'm thinking it's done, but then you could get four of them players back, and Liverpool could go on a big run. Well, our next lot of games are against big opposition, and Liverpool turn up against big, big opposition, don't we? I think, I think, to be honest, it's not even the big opposition. I just think the teams that suit the way we play, which is, again, City, I agree with what Paul's saying. City do seem a lot more efficient this season, but they're still quite open. Yeah. They can still be got at. They're not, I think they're not a team that are going to put nine men behind the ball, and I think that's what you need to do to beat Liverpool. And I think even if you only have five or six behind the ball, Liverpool can beat you. So I think City, Leicester, they're teams that we can beat. Everton actually really worries me, to be honest, because Everton are a team that if they put, if they play with their heads and play the, the match and not the occasion and not the opposition, Everton will gladly put nine men behind the ball at Anfield and try and hit us on the break, and they've got the pace to do it. Now, the only thing with Everton is that they don't play derbies unemotionally, and I think with that being the case, they'll come to Anfield and they'll just start snapping people and going for it. And especially with that, with with the way they are this season, they're so confident. That team yeah. is so confident, and I think they'll come to Anfield and do what Mourinho did and underestimate us and be overconfident. They'll come, in, they'll come there thinking this is the season that they break that door, and that's what's going to trip them up. Would you agree with that, Jay? <laughs> it's fucking much as it pains me to say it. They are, they, they, do, they have looked all right this season, haven't they? They've got, they've made some good signings, and that Hamas Rodriguez. Um, Alan looks like a decent player. The downfall for them is the keeper. Well, in the game yesterday for Everton, they had that Olsen, is it? They had him playing yeah. and he played an absolute blinder. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so, mm. you, so you know, listen, a derby's a derby and if your form goes out the window in the derby and sure it's the same with City and United, but, you know, fucking... Me as being a soft ass when we won and they got beat, sent a little tweet out and come back to bite me in the ass yesterday. <laughs> sent a tweet out. You um, sent a silly tweet out about yeah. it. That's not like you. Uh, that isn't like you. The poor one and I said, um, never felt more like singing the blues. As soon <laughs> yeah. as the final whistle went yesterday, three three Evertonians who were no liked it straight away. But <laughs> my mate Snapchat me this morning singing singing it in the shower and I was like, oh, it's one of them that bites you on the ass that one, isn't it? <laughs> one positive is. Uh, like Paul said, City's game in hand is Everton. Are you worried by them? Um, I don't know because I watch quite a bit of Everton. My wife's an Everton fan, so um, I watch a lot of their games. Watched like most of their game against Leeds last night after I after the game finished. And I think the setup to play teams like you, us, it's better for them when they haven't got as much as the ball. Um, because you look at them, I think they run this season. They, they won the first four games, then they did nothing. Then they won five games and they did nothing again. They won against Leeds last night. And I think the better when they play the four centre half strung out against uh, in front of the defence, sorry, in front of the area. And um, just let you have the ball and hope, hope to try and get the ball quickly up to Calvert Lewin and Richardson. So I don't know. It, 
it's a strange one. I really don't know what to expect from that game. I'm not, as mad as I'm not even looking at that game at the moment. Just thinking about your game, um, and then hopefully you know get a positive result there. And then I, the way Spurs are playing, we can hopefully do them as well. I think we can if we can come out of the two games with four points against you, you and um, you and Spurs, then you know, we're well on our way then of of uh, pulling away from especially you, uh, and then just concentrating on Leicester and United for now. I think it's the first time maybe three years that I'll be this weekend maybe focusing on well obviously we're playing after this I'd be focusing on United results more than yours at the moment um, well as you spoke up before you could you could beat us Sunday the momentum could flip round and then you know all better off then isn't it I think the bookies have made us one to six favourites to win which is is ridiculous really I don't know what, what odds they put you out to um, I think it's ridiculous no. that they're even like anyone even takes notice of the odds anymore for me because like we said before the amount of teams who've been top of the league I'm sure Everton were fucking 4-1 or something at one point yeah. to win the league mm-hmm. after four games when they were all singing yeah. in the boozers like we're going to win the league and it's like come on <laughs> the worst thing is though isn't it when that's City and Everton game <laughs> if Everton win they go above us and City win they just <laughs> lead <laughs> so it's a lose-lose really yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie I'm, I'm, I'm more looking over my shoulder than I'm looking up at City now to be honest like if going into that game if City win that, for me that does us a favour like yeah. I'm not even looking at City the title's gone for me I'm just going for top four and, and I'm looking over my shoulder at the, with that game um, so if City win all the better if Everton win then it's we've got the derby a couple of days later, and that's massive pressure on the derby, and it so. Jay, uh, Paul just said about looking at United results. Do you think United are title challengers this season? Uh, personally, I think they'll drop off in a co- towards the end of the season. They could, they could shock me. I think they've played. I think they've been doing well. I thought I was very surprised the way they played at Anfield when they came, and they just for me they didn't look. Like a threat, I know they had the two, they, they had the two biggest chances in the game, but they didn't look as if like they were going all out to win. It was like they came for the point. Yeah. And in my head, I think on Sunday it wouldn't shock me if it wouldn't shock me if Pep sets them up to come for a point or look to get to catch them, catches out on the counter, but not be all out gun cow. It wouldn't shock me for the just for the way that we we are at the minute. We are quite vulnerable against teams who who, do, who have that low defensive block. We don't we just can't seem to break them down. I think at one point when I was watching the game yesterday, there was nine outfield players in in the um, who did we play? Brighton <laughs> in Brighton's box. I think there was te- ten players, including the goalkeeper, and he's, and then they get the ball, they hoof it up to the striker who tries to who tries to get it down and to hold it up, and they just push right up into the into the up to the to the halfway, try and get as close to the halfway line as they can. But it just seems a fucking familiar thing with Liverpool that they can't break it down and that move of going from Robertson to whoever the centre half pairing is at the time out to Trent and then back and doing that all the time and then pumping balls into the box when you've got six foot seven defenders who were just clearly going to win it. Yeah. For me, the standout one yesterday was a cross got put into the box and before it even left Trent's boot, the keeper was on his way. And before Trent had even crossed it, the keeper in his head had said, I'm having that. That's my ball. Can you see City setting up against Liverpool, Paul, to, with a low defensive block, or do you think he's just come at us? Before last night's game, I said to you before, I had to take a nil-nil. I think maybe Pep might have done that, because the games this season between the like, you know, top two, three teams, 
obviously the, the draw one one at the Etihad and after about seventy minutes, felt like both teams had um, settled for the point that night. Um, and then again when we went to Old Trafford and drew nil nil, um, again it was a tight cagey game where both teams probably seemed to be not to lose the game. And then like Jay just said at Anfield of the week when United came to you, it was a tight cagey game to win in a patch where the top teams the last few years have gone to win it through the team's ground. It seems this season the teams have been more or less settling not to lose. So I said before last night's game, I think we'd have taken a nil-nil and maybe Laporte might have started at left-back. But I'm thinking now after him seeing that last night, Pep, I think he's just going to want to dominate the ball um, and try and weather that first 20 minutes from you if we can. I think it'll be... I think he'll go with Cancelo right-back and probably Zinchenko left-back. Um, and they're, 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 they're two attacking defensive players, really. Um, I think Walker and Laporte will miss out. But I think he's just going to go to look and play our game. Um, if it was a Champions League quarter-final first leg at Anfield, I think he'd go defensive, a bit more defensive. Edward Laporte, maybe. Or Ake, if he was fit. But no, I think he's going to look to go and try and dominate the game and play as we have been the last few weeks. Um, be on the front foot. I said, just dominate possession. I think, I think he's going to try and have Thiago doing doggies. I think he's going to, he's going to struggle because he doesn't really seem keen on the de- defensive side of the game. And I think Gundogan and Bernardo are going to be all over him, swarming around him, making runs off him, and he won't like it. Um, and I'm, I'm quietly confident. But when I'm quietly confident going to Anfields, we we normally get slapped. So um, it's a tough one. A tough one. I probably would still take nil nil now. Um, and focused on United. What about you, Dean? Do you think if City set up like what Paul's saying against us, do you think they've got a chance? Because I think if they come at us, they're going to get battered. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that if Pep does do what Paul says he thinks he'll do, I think that's really naive. Because I think if they come there and they play two attacking fullbacks, I think Mane will start. So I don't think we'll see Shakiri on Sunday. I think Mane will start. I think if that's the case and he plays two attacking fullbacks, then they're just there for the taking. Where I do agree with Paul, to be honest, is if the midfield turn up and, and put a shift in with Liverpool, that's where we've usually won the game, I thought. I thought we not dominated midfield, but we've sort of nullified them somehow. Yeah. If you if you think about it, De Bruyne has never had a good game against Liverpool, really. Yeah. Apart from that, was it the 4-0 one last season when we'd already won the league? He hasn't really yeah, had a good like game. Friendly, that wasn't it really. Exactly. Wasn't yeah. really, yeah. I, we, we were all still pissed. So <laughs> I think, apart from that, he hasn't really ran games the way he does against everyone else. And I think if the that's where the game's going to be won for me. If we can turn up and put a shift in midfield and play like we usually play, then we'll, we'll beat City. And I, and I think if, if they play Cancelo and he plays Zinchenko at a fullback, especially Zinchenko, if they play those two at fullback, then they're there for the taking. If Pep does what Paul says he'd do in a Champions League game and maybe play Laporte at fullback, even then I don't think it might be enough because I think to beat Liverpool, you've really got to be very, very defensive. So the way Brighton were last night and the way Burnley were and the way West Brom were and Newcastle were, You've really got to sit back, and I don't think City are capable of it, first of all. Second of all, I don't think Pep would want to do that. Everyone slated Ollie a few weeks ago. I thought Ollie got spot on yeah. when he comes on field. He, got it. he did exactly what he should do, which was come and sit in. And that's, I think the, the pressure he got was what convinced Mourinho to come at us a little bit, and he got turned over. So I think if City comes on field and try and play us, and try and play us off the park, 
then they're going to be in for a, a hard time, I think. What about you, Jay? Do you think it's essential to start Davies and Kabak against City so we can put Fabinho in the six and dominate the midfield? Because that's the one area that pitch I am worried about, like what Paul said. Uh, if we play Henderson or Fabinho at the back, I think we Thiago's clueless. Like I said on the pod the other week, he doesn't know how to defend, doesn't know how to attack. I think he needs Henderson to help him. Listen, he signed him. He's, he signed him for a reason, so he's obviously confident in what he can do. So why not play them? It's no bigger game than Man City at all. Yeah. If you if you want to win a league title, obviously there's there's games like Old Trafford and the Derby and stuff like that. But in terms of where what you want to do and where you want to be at the end of the season, just there's, there's two there's two games for me that determine it: City away and City at home. Is there any chance you would start Phillips? Um, <laughs> I know your opinion on Phillips, by the way. I know, and listen, he, pr- he proved me wrong, didn't he? But yeah. If you if you're playing well and you're confident, then yeah, I don't. With well, Nat Phillips, aren't we? Not the other one. Yeah, Nat Phillips. Yeah. <coughs> not Nat Phillips plays for West Brom. No, his name's Davis, isn't it? Ben Davis. Sorry, yeah. I thought his name was Ben Phillips. Um, if he's confident, then yeah, play him. But you've obviously went after that Kabach. Apparently, they've been going after him for for ages. Mm. So they've went after him for a reason. So the confidence in what he can do. So then don't. Shit out and say, Oh no, we're not going to play him against City, it's too soon. See, I had this conversation with one of my mates in our group chat yesterday, and we had turned into a row to be honest. That he was very much in the camp of Phillips of playing Phillips because Phillips is, and I can sort of see his point to be fair. Phillips has been there a while, he's he knows that he's you know, he's got to run a games under his belt, he knows the style of play, you know. But then my point was that you're not Kabak isn't some bum that we've just bought from Farmers FC in, in yeah. Italy or whatever. He, he's played for Schalke in the Bundesliga against the likes of Lewandowski and Haaland and Sancho on a consistent basis for two years now. Two years. That's not that's not six months at, at, in good form. That's a consistent level of high performance. So why wouldn't you start this lad? As, as you said, he's been a long-term target. Klopp obviously likes him. Why not throw him in against City? I, I don't I'd start Kabak and Fabinho centre-half, me on Sunday, and play Henderson in front of the back four. I think it's hard to to even try and guess. I know, like, who's going to play last... Before the um, Tottenham game, you asked us to to go to put a start at level together. I genuinely couldn't do it. <laughs> right now. Honestly, I couldn't do it right now because I've got no idea with what, he, what he's going to go with. I was shocked that Shaqiri played yesterday. To be fair, but then I was even, f- I was fucking made up. A really never played, but he still came on. That's the issue. When he comes on, he's crap. D- there's one. There's a. I wish you could get the put a clip on this podcast and on the YouTube thing and show it. It's where Robertson cuts inside onto his right foot. Looks like he's about to have a shot. Listen, could have flew into the top into the fucking top corner. Could have flew into row fucking twenty seven of, of the cop, but he took it off, takes it off, him, and you can see it on the replay. Robertson must be thinking, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then he, he he does something stupid with his feet, and just smashes it towards the corner flag. And you can see Trent, Trent fucking flipping, flipping on the replay. Well, I seen something on Twitter yesterday that Divock is the human version of the full time whistle. When he comes on, the game's done. Would you agree with that, Dean? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I sort of feel sorry for him because I feel like he's brought on and Klopp tells him to do what Firmino does, and that's not his game. His game is he's a one such striker for me. Origi. and we've seen it a couple of years ago when 
I'd say he was as peak at Liverpool, to be honest, it was Klopp's first season, where he was happy sitting on the shoulder and getting in behind, and he had the pace to beat, play, beat defenders. Whereas now, for some reason, playing in front of the back four, trying to thread balls through, as Jay said, taking it off players' toes who have cleaned through on goal and chipping it out wide. Like, what are you doing? That's not what a strike. It's not what you do, and it's certainly not what a striker does. I feel like everything Origi does is the opposite of what a centre-forward should do. Like, a centre-forward should bully defenders. Origi is easily bullied. Centre-forward should have a decent touch. He's got a touch like a fucking bouncy <laughs> castle. And then a centre-forward should be able to score. Can't remember the last time he scored a goal. Honestly, I don't remember the last Was time David Origi... I think it might have been. No, it was... Um, he scored at Norwich, didn't he, that first home game last season? Yeah. Which was after yeah. Madrid. But then I can't remember after that what the fuck he's done since. He's done nothing. And I don't like I don't understand now. And I think it's pure sentimental that he's still at the club. Because I think we could still get a decent f- a decent fee for him, to be honest. I don't get the move of Alona Minamino out. <coughs> I was just gonna ask you that. I, 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 that baffled me. Again. I said it last time. I don't work at the club. I don't. I'm not there at training. And I'd like. I do you think it's to do like with that. confidence though? Because Ralph Hasenhutl's from the Red Bull system. That's where Southampton's gotten from. So do you think they've gone to? We play similar to that. They play again and pressing and stuff. We play very very similar to our Red Bull play. Do you think he's went there to play in that system, get confidence behind things, and then come back a better player? Because we stick point blank said he's not having an option to buy. We're bringing him back. But I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it myself. Like, I don't understand it. Like, why send them to play somewhere else that plays like us? Why not just play him? Yeah. Give him a chance. You're bringing someone on who comes on, and for me, it's just lazy. It's like it takes three or four seconds for him to realise, for, for a to realise where the ball is on the pitch. For me, he goes and stands, comes on, so fucking centre forward, goes and stands left mid or left of a front three and just waits for the fucking ball to feet. And then if it's played, not to his feet. He stays he there. stands there, stands there, and, oh fuck, there's the ball. And then he does some weird skip to start his run. <laughs> Even that pisses me off about him. Like he's done some brilliant things, the goal against Everton, the goal against Barcelona, and the goal in Madrid. So brilliant. That's three he's things though, Jay, in like what, seven years? He's not good enough. No. Let's, let's just be honest. Rogers, he came in under Rogers and got loaned out to Lille or whoever it was. Yeah, Lille. And he got voted by like the French fans the worst signing of the season how fucking bad have you got to be <laughs> to be to go from the Premier League to the French League and be voted the worst signing of the season fuck me it's a fucking it's Farmers it's League like, lad that is so grim what you've just painted that picture you've just painted for me there like I think he'd go back there now and still get worst player of the season to be honest like I, I don't I, he wouldn't start for my 21s I text one of my strikers last night I was just texting him over something and we ended up talking about Liverpool and I'm f- fully fucking confident he's better than him. <laughs> Genuinely, he wouldn't play for my 21s. I think the reason Origi stayed is we were trying to include him in that Botman deal. Um, the Sven Botman from Lille, the centre-back, the Dutch one. There was rumours we were trying to include him in that deal. So that's probably why he didn't get sold, because that was down down to the wire if we couldn't get Kabach. I feel like that's the difference between us and City, though. Don't you, do you agree, Paul? What? Um, strength and depth? That, yeah, know, like the, the depth of us and we're just we're hanging on to shite I know you, thing is though you do seem to get a lot of money for the shite that you um, that you get rid of um, you got 29 million for Solanke but even, that's nothing to me though like I'm not getting 29 million in my pocket so it doesn't <laughs> like it doesn't fucking bother me like it's when like when we signed Van Dijk and you get like Blues and United fans oh, I can't believe you played 75 million I'm not asked yeah. I don't care 
One thing where City's difference was, though, I don't know if you're people, is use waste money because you've got so much money. You look at Ache, 50 mil. You look yeah, at... we, can, we can afford to um, take that risk, you know, or we can afford to play, you know, sign a player who isn't going to be first choice. And, you know, if it, if it works out great, if it doesn't, you know, we'll, we'll probably lose maybe 10, 15 mil. Jane mentioned that tweet before of you, your seven most expensive signings. Obviously, six were unavailable last night. Hey, Kytrout, you know, you've had some great success there with those signings. Um, it's like you said, then it's when you scratch below the surface, but you know, after you know, under your top 14, 15 players, where you struggle. Whereas at the moment, we seem to have probably two players for every position who can come in and you know, it's almost seamless. You know, the, the, the drop off in, you know, in level and quality, it's not that big. Whereas you, if you know, Send comes out the team when when he's on form. Whoever comes in, it's it's a big drop off. It is that you know Nico Williams or whoever, or Robertson at left back, or you're saying if Mane's out and you're bringing in Origi as as his replacement, it's it's a big big drop down. Um, I think that's where it's definitely up the season with your injuries to your key men and you know your options coming in are just not at that level that you require. I think there's a difference. Again, I'm not there, so I don't know. But if if you're going out and you're spending sixty million on a player, and you're spending sixty million on a player, knowing that he's going on the bench, imagine the mentality of them twenty five, twenty six players, that full squad of thinking, "Fuck, like, I'm in for a, a, a fucking hard job of getting getting in this eleven. Never, never yeah. getting in the what is it now?" Nine subs. Oh yeah, there's nine, nine subs. Yeah, the squad twenty. You're thinking, I'm f- I've got to put a fucking shift in here. I, you look at Liverpool and you, like there was a kid last night, Jake Kane. I do have him on in the league though. He's I've never forward. I've never seen him play. To he's be fair, than but the like, he's never ever thinking he's going to be on the bench for, for Liverpool. And then because of the lack of depth that we've got, he's just got, he's going on the bench. Do you, get, do you get my point? Yeah, you know I get what, what you're mean? saying. Yeah, it's, it's like men- Evan playing two goalkeepers on the bench. Yeah, but it's like it's the mentality of, oh, I'm gonna have to fucking pull my finger out if Pep's gonna put me on the bench here. And then you've got a Rigi thinking, I'm on the bench. I know, I know, I'm on the bench, and I'm yeah. most likely gonna come on. I think that's the problem with Liverpool is over the past few years, it's been we've relied so much on player fitness, and we've got probably I don't we must have the best sports science. Departments in the country. Oh, well, to get to Rugby, apparently, to what? Apparently, to fucking. Oh, well, yeah. Gordon's of Eversonians. I've heard, yeah. <laughs> but, um, the, the, like, the, the mo- we must have the best sports science and medical departments in the country because I can't. Apart, since this season, we haven't had a major injury. But this physio who was there left, and now we've went back to Chris Morgan. And last year, Arsenal had how many injuries? He's come back. Yeah, I, I think that's that could be purely coincidence, though, Matty, to be fair, because. Again, look, it's a freak season. We're talking about a season where we've come in on the back of a four-week pre-season. Yeah. And I don't think people realise how big that is to have that four weeks. And essentially, it's two weeks because you'd have two weeks off. They had two weeks off and then played, yeah. started playing friendlies. So I think that people don't realise how big of an issue that is. That's all your prep time, tactics time, probably gone, really, and all mostly spent on fitness. And then you're straight into competitive action. To be fair, though, Dean, I don't think... They had what three months? They had three months off. But that, off. all they were doing in that three months was rolling around on balls at home on Zoom. So yeah, but, it's not exactly being. That's not going to help either. But they've got. But there was. It wasn't. You had the three months off, and then you got all right. You're playing on Saturday. It was. You had three months off, and then you had. They had what? 
three, four weeks to get back into. But into they couldn't pre They weren't like pre-season training. It was non-contact yeah. training. And also, Jay, like... you're saying that there, they've had three months off. It wasn't like like a normal season where you're finishing and they can just go and switch off it, you know, four weeks and go on the beach or do whatever. It, you know, you look at some of these lads, um, for example, for you, uh, Kaita, I don't know nothing about him, but, you know, he's a young lad, 25, 26, and his family are, you know, whatever in the world, and he, he's living, you know, in his house on his own. It's, they're not getting like a, they're not getting a break at all, are they? It's not like a psychological break. It's, that's why I just think, it's it, we've mentioned before, it's a very strange season. So about your short pre-season there, we never actually got a pre-season. We finished in Portugal in the Champions League. I think they literally had like a few days holiday and they were back in. They did very little. And I think it's it's definitely catching up with the injuries. You saw at the start of the season, most of the muscular injuries that you know a lot of teams were getting. And there was all, remember the big debate about the five subs? And that's quieting down again now. Um, it's just, it's, it's very, it's very strange season. Very strange. And, you know, people are, Given Nuno stick at Wolves, he's the same. They they were in Germany in Europa League. They never got a break, but they haven't got the you know the strength and depth and the resources that City and United have that can you know make the changes. And that's why you know Wolves are really struggling. He's doing he's doing brilliant for considering you know the hand he's been dealt. The amount of games they played last season, with going that far in the Europa League and then coming back in with no break at all. Um, it it is it's a strange season. I've seen some people say it's going to have an asterisk next to it really with the fact that. There's been no fans, no pre-season. Some team have had fans. You even look at the Champions League next round. They're saying that you and us won't be playing in Germany. We're playing in a neutral venue because the German government aren't letting anyone in at all. Um, so we'll be letting us in we're a banned country. So. Or we got a 3-0 win. Yeah, if they, um, sort, of, sort of like, because if the German government don't let us in, then yeah. they've got Leipzig, Leipzig and Uvu's got Mönchengladbach. Yeah. Um, I've got to find a neutral venue, and if they can't find a neutral venue, we'll be given a three 0 win. But it's only for the first leg, and it's all. It's only a better come to the And no one I look lately. They just sit back and ping us four 0 Yeah. Well, speaking about the the two the players in every position, Liverpool actually aren't as weak as people think. You know, um, I think Simicus probably would have played more games this season if the defense, if we had Van Dijk and Gomez playing, he's not going to take Robbo out when the back line's already messed up. So I think he'd have a bit more... He would have played Jesse, for example. Then we've got... If we get Kabak in now, we've got Kabak and Matip backing up for Gomez and uh, Van Dijk. Our weakest position's right back. We've got loads of midfielders. We've got Firmino, Mane, Salah, Jota, and probably bring someone else in the summer. So we, we have strength in depth, but people just don't seem to, to realise that. Would you say that, Dean? Um, I agree to an extent. I agree in certain positions. We've got strength in depth. Definitely Simic has... Probably should be playing. I think he should have a few more games, even the lesser games. Um, right back definitely is an issue. Obviously, you're looking at Nico Williams. You can go there if Trent's ever injured. I don't think he's thrown Williams in, to be honest. If Trent's got injured, I think it'd be Milner who'd probably go there. In midfield, there's, I feel like it's a much of muchness, really. Apart from Thiago, everyone else does the same thing. Wijnaldum, Milner, Fabinho, Anderson, they all sort of Except are very alike. When he's fit. Kaiser is decent though, isn't he? He is, but he, again, he basically just does the doggies. He just does what they do, really. Yeah. He can do what they do, or he can do what Thiago does to a much lesser ability, to be honest. Go, again, going forward, we did have Minamino on one side. Don't ask what happened there. Shakiri on the other side. I, I still like Shakiri. I, I think he's been a little bit ineffective lately, but he'll probably go in the summer because he's just not getting games. And then going forward, we've got 
the ghost that is Origi and, and, and Firmino. So I think we, we have got depth. I just think it's all very samey. There's no alternative. No one's different. Do you know what yeah. I mean? We're bringing in Verigi to do and asking him to do the same job Firmino does. This isn't his game. We're bringing in, bringing off Van and bringing Milner on. We're bringing off Thiago and we're putting Curtis Jones or Oxide Chamberlain on. We're bringing off um, Gomez and we're putting Matt up on, and they're all very much the same. So while I agree we've probably got depth, I just don't think we've got any difference. There's no alternatives. There's no nothing that can change the way we play. I'm gonna ask you something, Jay. Why? Are you surprised we didn't sell Nico Williams when Southampton bid for him on deadline day? No. Would you keep him or would you let him go on the summer? I like him. I like I'm, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea and he's... Do you think he's good enough to play for Liverpool in the long... If Trent had an injury like Van Dijk, would you feel comfortable in a season with Nico Williams? Um, at the minute, no. But he's what, 19? Yeah. Around that age. He's a kid. You're not telling me that Steven Gerrard was as was in full potential at 19, 19, 20. It was fucking very good. Yeah. But wasn't the Gerrard that we all know and we all and I'm sure there's players at City. But that's that. the difference with City though. If they want if Pep wants someone in a position, he'll go and spend 30, 40 million and get someone better. He's not I know the kids and they need a chance, but if you want a challenge, you need to go and spend the money. And Liverpool aren't gonna do that because that's not the business model that Liverpool have got. Liverpool haven't got the money to do that. I genuinely don't believe they have. For the simple fact is, they spent loads of money on the stand. If you remember around that time, there wasn't loads of big money signings. I think the big money signings at the time was was Wijnaldum and Marnie, thirty million. Do you think that's why they're cutting back now then? Because the Annie Rose getting expand, expand. I think no. I think they're cutting back like a lot of clubs because there's a worldwide pandemic and that's affected everyone. And, they haven't had fans in. They've had fans in for two games in twelve in the in what what is it now? Nearly twelve months. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't shock me that Liverpool aren't spending loads of money. If you look at that Kabak deal, it's paying one one point five million or something. Yeah, he spent for the, two million for the, for the two of them. Yeah. Did, I, you, did City bring anyone in in January before? No, we didn't. Um, just the three in the summer. I don't think Pep he likes the January transfer window. We just we only, I think he's only ever bought in Laporte. In the four, what is this? His fifth year. His fifth year as manager. I think that's the only January transfer signing he's made. I'm, I, I might be wrong there, um, but yeah, we don't seem to do our business in January mainly just in the summer. Do you think it's got something to do with it, though, Paul? I know you're saying Pep doesn't like it, but with all the other teams, it wasn't a very busy January market for me. There wasn't no a standout got, thing. No one's got any money, have they? Well, majority of teams haven't haven't got the money to spend. You look at Burnley; they've just been taken over. Normally, when a takeover comes, they spend spend some money when they get the opportunity. But there's just I said there's there's no money about Look at Barcelona; they stayed there in as well, and and Real Madrid they're struggling as well financially. I think that's why it could be a big, big summer transfer window for both our teams because there's top players who might be available, and some of our bigger transfer rivals aren't really in a position to compete. Um, so I think that's why. Um, that's why we haven't. I think we didn't business then because we are mainly wait for the summer. But yeah, going back, going back, going back to what I just said, what I've said there, I don't think that even in the summer, I don't, there won't be, I don't think there'll be many big name signings going in. But the difference with the summer is if if fans are back in next season, they can take loans out to pay the following year when they've got money back yeah. from from ticket sales and stuff. You can't you can't bargain for that, can you? I, 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 no. It's up to it's all up in the air. No one knows when fans are gonna be back and how many are gonna be allowed back in. 
probably going to be a long time before we have full capacities back in. I don't think it'll be this season. I don't Definitely. think it'll be this season no. at all. And I think half of next season myself. I think you'd be very lucky to see any clubs with the 2,000 fans back in. And it goes right through the football pyramid. You look at the National League, you've probably seen it, Paul. The National League at the minute uh, surveying the clubs on whether they want to carry on because they've got no fans in, so they can't physically afford to carry on. And they're, they're not like, obviously, the Premier League teams, the top teams, get the TV deals, are they? They're just... The money that they bring in through the tickets, through tickets and yeah. through the shop and stuff like that, the pays for, pays for the lucky to turn the, the floodlights on for the Tuesday night game. So it's they're being surveyed on whether they want to carry the season on if they don't get... Listen, they were, another fuck-up by the governments. They were promised grants, but the governments have turned and said, no, it's a loan. So they've said, no, well, we don't want it. But, you know, so it's a big kerfuffle over that. But Did you not get a rescue package off the Premier League? That's I think that's down to Premier League clubs to negotiate between them. I don't I haven't heard any. I don't think it was I don't think no. it went down to National League. I think it was that was like League One, League Two. Yeah. Could be miles off, but that just shows you the the impact that this is having. National League clubs, some of them you look at like some of them have got a bit of money for that level. And they're like they're the main clubs and saying we can't financially sustain a match day without football fans. So you know, is it but going back to your original point, I don't think there'll be many big transfers in the summer. That's just my opinion for what's what's going on. I don't think Liverpool are this, oh, Liverpool's owners are the type to take loans out on the basis of potentially having half half a ground full of fans for the season. For me, the next big money Liverpool signing comes when they've had fans in for a year. What about you, Dean? Does it do your head in with our owners that they say they've got no money, but then they'll give, say... A player in Red Sox like an eighty million pound contract. No, because it's the I I think they're trying to run it self sufficiently, and I can buy into that. I'm happy for it to be run self sufficiently. I think since they come, it's a good thing that they keep the two entities completely separate. We yeah. shouldn't be living off Red Sox, and they shouldn't be living off us. It's very similar to United, isn't it? the Buccaneers. They yeah. actually take money out of United to pay for. Buc- yeah, Buc- I think Buc- a lot of I think United the Glazers bought United a lot on leverage buyout though. The way we were bought by Hicks and Gillette, so I think it's that's not that's not a sustainable business model for either club, yeah. and I think I, I'm glad that we don't do that. I don't think it's it's good for anyone, and I think, God forbid, one day Fenway do ever pull out, then what are we left with if that's the case? Where where does that leave us? Yeah. So I think it's a good thing that we're self sufficient. I think if Fenway walked away tomorrow, we'd be fine. We we've we've got our own sponsorship deals, we've got our own commercial deals around the ground, we've got. Everything that belongs to Liverpool is run separately for Liverpool. No one has to buy Fenway Sports Group. Someone has to buy a Liverpool Football Club. So I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the way Fenway run the, run the club, to be honest. And let's face it, let's have a little bit of gratitude. Like, we were in 10 minutes from administration yeah. when they bought us. With regards to the summer, I know that wasn't your question, but I'm going to answer yeah. it anyway. With regards to the summer, I think it's a shame if we don't start making signs because I think we need to start phasing some players out. So I think we do need... This is this should be a big summer for us. It's not going to be. I agree with Jay for the reasons why, but it, in a normal summer, it would be a big summer for us because we need to start making some big replacements. I agree with Paul, and I think we'll go big this summer. Like we've got the Nike deal, um, and I think players like Minamino would are helping a lot of money in in the Asian market. I think we'll bring the twenty percent. Do we get it at the end of the season, or do we get it throughout the season? But we're getting twenty percent of everything that Nike sell. I think Liverpool will go and plough that money into the transfer market myself. Um, whether that be on someone like Haaland or someone like Mbappe or someone stupid like that, I think we need to because while we're now ultimately have to 
fair to say this is the biggest Liverpool have been globally since I can remember. We all went through it, didn't we? In when was it, two thousand ten, something like that. Yeah. When as Dean said, we were ten minutes away. So no one ever wants to go through that. And I'm sure I'm sure you've been through it as well, Paul, with City where there's been times where you've th- where you've thought, okay, now we're on our way out here. You know, and yeah. and it is what but as Dean said, the 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 way they, they run us, it's their it's their business. They can run it however they want, as long as the team's successful. And at the minute, the team is successful. The te- as Dean said, ten minutes away from going f- into administration. Yeah, there's been fuck ups along the way, but you know, European champions, Premier League winners, world champions, and you know, and you still see the fucking tits on Twitter. <coughs> That's what I was going to ask. That trend in today's FSG house and clop out. Oh my god! I can't take. I can't take FSG. I never knew clop out was even a thing. Yeah, but I can't take the FSG out brigade. I just think the points are just irrelevant and point and. Is it fair to say everyone who's saying FSG out didn't support Liverpool ten years ago? I know. I think everyone who's saying FSG out didn't support Liverpool before they won the Champions League in 2018, or before they got to Kiev. No sane. No scouts. Liverpool fan, and I'm, you know, no Liverpool fan who's been here for what ten years is yeah. going to say FSG out. The fucking state we were in under them two pairs. That was like three hundred million debt. Stupid. And he tried to recoup. And he tried to recoup the money. Yeah. He tried to recoup the money when he sold us, and it was all bought on loans. He's come out, Annie, recently, Hicks, and saying now he he, um, he got had off when he's yeah because he, he thought we were worth a billion pound. He, yeah. wanted, he wanted a billion pound for Liverpool. Good. We are now. Yeah, we are now. <laughs> But not then. <laughs> At the time, we had a billion pounds worth of debt just in drawings. He just had posters <laughs> on his wall of a ground that was never going to be built. So, what do you think, Hulk, in, in Liverpool, Paul? I know your owners have got an ever ending bank account, but would you like your club to be self sustained like Liverpool? Well, I, I think it's um, I think it's a bit, it's a bit of a myth about uh, Man City with the, you know, the, the never ending money for the owners. The owners haven't put any money into the club now for I think it's like four or five years. Um, and you talk about self-sufficiency City are, it's, it just seems to be like a stick that beat us with yeah we we won the lottery we won we got the best owners we could have ever asked for in 2008 the money they put into the club um, they've, they've sold a stake in the club about when David Cameron was in charge because he came round and looked at the new training grounds um, to a Chinese part of the Chinese government and they actually bought I think like 12% of the club more than what um, the people that you know, the the, um, the family that bought our club for, they sold a smaller stake for more money than they put it in. Then, before probably November 2019, an American company called Silver Lake um, then put 500 million pounds into the club um, to buy a small stake into the club as well. Um, again, the club is just, I think we won an award um, the start of the year, the fastest growing. Uh, sports um, team club in the world that includes like you know everyone in the Premier League all through the football teams the NBA team the NFL the, the club you, the club from when it was in 2008 to now 2021 there's no club in the world that's grown as quickly as us um, how is City self-sustaining and is it through the money that's getting bought in like from them two people you just mentioned or is no it's it's like yourself you know sponsorship deals you know we like Man United I remember a few years ago Man United were constantly putting on a new tyre partner in Asia and, you know, the latest, you know, betting company in Africa. City, now, like like yourselves, commercially, we're not, 
we're obviously not as big a fan base throughout the world, but it's a sponsorship deals that we're getting, just making making massive money, massive money off the pitch now. Um, I don't know if you know too much about you know the other clubs that you know are part of the CF City Football Group CFG. We've got a team in New York, Australia. We've got some uh, quite a few in South America. Um, and it's basically just a position of strength. They're just getting stronger and stronger. Um, and we will sp- we'll spend big again in the summer. You really will. I know we were saying about teams struggling for money, but City City off the pitch, they're flying absolutely flying financially. I think I think we'll be in the, in the mix for Messi. I think he's leaving Barcelona in the summer. I think it'll be between us and PSG. And I think we'll then uh, we'll I think the talk of last summer when we were after him and it was saying. Um, we're potentially then going to get like um, stay with us for the two years, then go and play in a in America for New York City, uh, and then become like an ambassador for the City Football Group. That was the way they were looking at doing that. I think we'll be in for Mbappe as well. Um, and th- people, you know, people say, "Oh, City, unlimited funds. We're wealthy, but it's not unlimited. We, we know our limit. We wouldn't we wouldn't pay the eighty eighty five million for Harry Maguire last season. We needed a centre half." Well, you um, wouldn't even we wouldn't, pay the money for Van when you were in for Van Dyke, weren't you? You just wouldn't pay 75 yeah, for him. I know, and look, you know, the value for money that, that would have proven. Uh, you know, it, I think we missed a step really there, not getting Van Dyke, but I think he at that stage he had his heart on set on joining you, and Laporte wasn't a bad um, a bad alternative, to be honest. Um, I've seen something where Pep says, though, to be fair to what you're saying, I've seen something where Pep says we haven't got the money to be spending, and then. I think that was last summer, and we, you know, we was getting questioned, and they were saying, "Why, you know, are you do are you buying this player, are you buying that player?" And 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 he he said in front of the media, "We haven't got the money to do it." And everyone was well, like, "Oh fuck off!" Yeah. Well, last summer, okay, we bought in Ache for like forty-five mil. Torres was twenty-five, I think, and then Diaz was sixty-something. With then Otamendi going the other way, we also people forget we told Sani. Sani went for like seventy odd mil, so that's a lot of last summer's outlay. Covered there. Um, there's a lad who's just been sold from Celtic to Leverkusen for Impong. We sold to Celtic for buttons, but then had like a 20% sell on clause. So we've just made like two and a half million there. We've got a big clause waiting on Sancho ready to go. Um, so our academy is doing what you've know what you done the last few years with Brewster being sold for good money, what United have done for years and years, selling the likes of Welbeck cleverly. All that money adds up, you know, when. I said that we we ran so well off the pitch. I I can't complain about one thing that our owners have done um, since the time they've taken over. If I was to research it and look properly, there'd be a couple of things maybe. But top of my head, I think we we've been so lucky with these owners, um, and they get so much stick. And I think it's just I said it's an easy thing to, to be with our unlimited money and, and and your grounds always empty. I think it's just like um, stereotypical. Now that's that, that's the thing to say, and it's for me it's water off a duck's back. I don't care. Would you really take Messi though, given the wages he's on? I know, I know you don't make money on shared sales, yeah. but wouldn't you rather it with like financial fair play and stuff? I know it's been relaxed because of COVID, but would you rather spend yeah. that money on two players rather than just pay Messi? Like, well, I think whatever. Messi, Messi's going to be. I know he obviously his wages are unbelievable, but in the summer, it looks like he's available on a free, um, and then his wages will be huge. They'll be massive, but we've got like there's accountants at the club who are just clever, clever people who who will. Get the contract, and then it, it'll be passed on to New York and elsewhere throughout. I said the City Football Group, and if Messi comes in, then everything changes. And sponsorship-wise, you know, you're banging, and you want anything to do with Messi, then 
then the company is going to have to pay, and he will pay. He's he's the greatest footballer of all time. I don't, he he could come towards next season, and you know, he won't be the messy that we know. But just to say that he's played for your team, played for your club, and to go and watch him, I've never had the play. I'm guessing you boys probably might have watched him. You play Barcelona in the Champions League recently. You might have you know been able to watch him live at Anfield. I've never been to Barcelona to watch him play. I didn't go to the um, the games where we played them in the Champions League at home and. To, to see him play at the Etihad and in the Premier League, it just be incredible. Be, it just again look where we were in two thousand and eight. We were just on no one's radar, um, and we've grown that big. And Messi would grows even more. We we just become. I think that huge. deal's been that's been in the works, and it's since Pep's come in. Uh, uh, Jay, his first season, Pep spoke to him again, and it was Messi's people who approached Pep. He wasn't happy at Barcelona for whatever reason. Um, and again, it looked like he was going to come, and basically, it was a case we had to force him out. And I think we've got obviously Pep, uh, Chiki Bagetistan, who's got you know linked to Barcelona, and Soriano. He was also the former chief executive, and they didn't want to cause a war in Barcelona. They didn't want to, you know, make it look like we were dragging Messi out. We were basically saying, if you want to come, you've got to come out publicly and say you want to go, like he did last summer at first. Um, and I, th- I do, I do think it'll be between us and PSG, um, and I, th- I think we'll get him. I'm, Quietly confident we will get him, um, and it'll just be. Will it make us a better team? It'll add us. It'll definitely add something to us. Um, but it, just to see him in the Premier League, just just be unbelievable. It really would. Speaking then of good teams, um, just want to go into this. Um, the was Paul aware of this? Have you sent it to him? Paul knows, yeah. Yeah. I'll start with with you, Dean. Who is your greatest side of all time? Um, I'm vehemently in the camp of the Barcelona side from 2008 to 2011. I think that side revolutionised football. Even now, everyone still talks about tiki-taka or tippy-tappy, as they call it on Match of the Day. Everyone still talks (laughs) about tiki-taka and every team's trying to emulate tiki-taka. And I think it all started with this side. Now... We had an interesting discussion on Twitter, didn't we, James, yeah. about this? Because I, you asked why the Mourinho side doesn't get the same praise that this does, and I think it's because Mourinho spent so much money on that side. And obviously, I think there's a Mourinho fact that he's just disliked. Whereas yeah. with, with Pep, um, especially before he came to City, I don't know about now, but especially before he went to City, he was loved the world over, wasn't he, let's face it. And I think the story of, of that Barcelona side is so romantic, of having the team, the the... the Returning hero, come back, coach the B-side for a year, take on the first team that's starting to flounder and needs a little bit of, of, of a refreshed impetus. First season wins the Champions League, wins the, wins the La Liga, brings back another returning, well, he wasn't returning hero at the time, he is now, I suppose, Gerard Piquet for three and a half million, turns him into a world-class centre-half. Again, win the Champions The season after, win La Liga, get to the semi-finals of the Champions League. All right, beaten by an inter side that are dogged, shall we say, under Mourinho. But then the year later, they just absolutely ironed out everyone that put that came up up against them. And I think that's the point with this Barcelona side is no one went to the new camp or Barcelona didn't visit anyone who felt like they had a chance when they come up against Barcelona. If you look at the spine of that side, Victor Valdez, Carlos Puyol, Gerard Piquet, Sergio Busquets, Xabi, Iniesta. Messi, all 
homegrown talents. I think that adds to the romanticism about it. And I think when you look at what they've achieved there and what they've gone on to achieve, and all that on the back of seven homegrown players and a homegrown manager, for me, that side is is the greatest club side, certainly in my lifetime anyway. Was Pep's first season 2009? So I watched the... Uh, there's a documentary on Amazon. This is where this whole fucking discussion come from. It's uh, called Take the Ball, Pass the Ball. And it's yeah. it's based around... It's it's a Barcelona documentary. It's based around the way that Barcelona play football. And it goes right up until 2006 when Rijkaard took over. And there was a mentality... Sh- the way they were, the way they go on, it was a mentality shift, and this type of football was was starting to be played. And then, Rijkaard got sacked, and Pep come in, and they won six trophies in one year. Yeah, they, they won everything. The Copa del Rey, Super Cup, Champions Leagues, UEFA Super Cup, FIFA Club, World Cup, all in two thousand and nine. They won every, they won every competition they were in in two thousand and nine. But the way the, it's the. If you watch the documentaries, the way that Pep goes in and he identifies players who he doesn't who he doesn't want. So Ronaldinho, f- unbelievable, one of the probably up there with the with the talk of the best play best players ever. Gone out. Sam Samuel Eto'o, phased out. Or like players like that who you think world class players phased out because this the mentality of Johan Cruyff and the way that he want he instilled Barcelona to play football. Pep then twisted and put his own mentality on it. And he so still does we, that now to an extent. I mean, Paul no more, but it feels as though he's phasing like Aguero out, who's arguably one of City's all-time legends. Aguero's not the example for me. It's Yaya Torre. He yeah, done he the same. He done the same at Barcelona. Mm. Phased Yaya Torre out because Yaya Torre doesn't fit the way he plays. And then at City. And then come to City. And if you watch the All or Nothing documentary, Torre doesn't play much. But that Barcelona team, it's you'd be very hard pressed. I know there's a couple more examples on there, but you'd be very hard pressed to find a better team than that. I, I think there's a there's a we all love to call him the baldy fraud and ha ha yeah whatever. I, it's, it's for me, it's a big massive joke that he's a baldy fraud. But I think with with Pep, all right, he's had a, quite a bit of money. But that first season with Barcelona, he didn't have any money. He bought one player. He bought Gerard Piquet for three and a half million from Manchester United reserves. And that was it. And then everyone else was already there. I think he might have bought Danny Alves that season, to be fair. Yeah. But everyone else was already there. And it was a, a quiet evolution. I think that the season after brought Zlatan, and he quickly realised Zlatan wasn't a Barcelona player. Yeah. Because it, it was all, with Barcelona, it was always about the team. It was always about, I trust you to play as a team if you trust me to get you to where you need to be. And I don't know if anyone's ever read Graham Hunter's book on Barcelona during yeah. that time, but... He says one one thing he did do, and it was a key change he made, was for home games, the team never slept in a hotel. For home games, they always stayed at home. And it was sort of his way of putting a little bit of faith in his players that to act as professionals and to show them a little bit of trust, knowing that he'd get that back on the pitch and that they really did appreciate being able to go home and stay with the families because at the end of the day, the people. And I think since he's left Barcelona, Pep, I think every team he's gone to, everyone expected them. The two teams he's gone to, everyone expected them to, to just play tiki taka and and we'll play teams off the park, and it was never going to be that way. He's evolved himself as a coach, and he has te- he's evolved his tactics and his outlook of football wherever he's gone. So with Bar- with Bayern, they were a typically German team. 
Right, they had that little bit of flair, and the last team's off the park. But even under Pep, they were a typically German, efficient team. He's come to the Premier League, and they're fast. City have always been fast and big and strong. Like, a, probably a typical English team. But again, with that Spanish twist of being able to play teams off the park and going out with a game plan. And I think that's what he started at Barcelona, was they always played in triangles. Before that, no one knew what a bleeding triangle was or a rondo. Yeah. And apparently when he got there, all he did was training rondos. He just did rondos all day, every day. Until if you look on the pitch, they're just playing rondos. If you watch them that season and, and the preceding seasons after, they just play rondos in the game. And it's crazy to watch. Why do you think then, Paul, that he hasn't been able to replicate his European success at City? Yeah. That he did have um, in Barcelona. I think you look at the teams who've knocked us out of the Champions League under Pep. The first year was Monaco. Now, the first leg, we beat them 5 3 at home. It was a crazy game. I remember Falcao was unbelievable for, for Monaco that night. Scored one of the best goals I've ever seen. He chipped the keeper. Um, we then went out to you, didn't we? You absolutely yeah. blitzed us in that 20 minute period at Anfield. We then went out to Spurs. And then last season we went out to Leon. I'll take you out. You won. The, you lost the final that year, didn't you? Yeah. Lost to Monaco, Spurs, and Leon um, in the knockout games. The Spurs ones are though, innit? Because you was didn't yeah. far do them over. Yeah, oh. there was a tight yeah. offside at the end, which was slightly <laughs> offside. But then Lorente with the handball. Um, I, I don't. I, I honestly don't know the answer. I think if Bayern Munich, I think maybe. He's highlighted a couple of games he played. He listened to the players for a game against it might have been Real Madrid in a knockout game. Um, and he listened to them. They wanted to go gunko. Real Madrid just picked them off on the counter. And he just said he learned something that night, basically not to listen to the players again. I think then one year they had Atletico Madrid. It was a tight game uh, away. And then I think at home, Muller missed a penalty, didn't he? Um, or Black saved it, I think. Um they're the tight margins in the Champions League. Uh, he won it. What did he win it? Two times in four years at Barca. I agree with yeah. Dean and, and Jay 100% there. At Barcelona, he's the greatest team I've ever seen. And, and it has a proper Catalan call, like he said. Lads who come from, you know, through the academy. Um, and it was, just, it was just enjoyable to watch every single week that you could watch them in the Champions League. Um, and they, just, they won everything. And they won it the way that you enjoyed watching it. Um I just think with us with the Champions League, basically not being good enough. But yeah, you know, I think the, the Premier League takes that much out of you as well. It's it's it, it, it was who was the last team to win the Premier League and the Champions League in the same team? Was it United? United, yeah, ninety nine. Nah, two thousand eight. They won the League, Champions League, Club World Cup, and Community Shield. Right, yeah, sorry, yeah. So that then, so you're looking what, what was that fourteen years ago, fifteen years ago? Yeah. Um yeah. It's hard to do. It really is hard to do. I think we've got a good chance this season. Um, a lot, a better chance because of our defending as a team. Um, and with the condition that Real Madrid and Barcelona, and I think the two teams for us, Juve aren't a great Juve team. Um, PSG not looking great, I think. I think it's between ourselves, Bayern, and probably you for the Champions League. If you can get past Red Bull and get a few of your players back, then you know, and it can happen, yeah, especially in the Champions League. If, if where you play in that competition, it's like you've, you know, you saved some of your best ever performances for that competition. Going back to what Dean said about Pep, the fraud, tongue and cheek. Quite a few of my mates say to wind me up. And you, Jay mentioned it. Then he, he went into Barcelona, 
and he bombed Ronaldinho and Zeko. He didn't like their attitude. He's like, no, it's my way. I want them gone. And he has a battle to get rid of them. He, he reluctantly kept Eto, which turned out well for him. In the end, he scored the, the first goal in the Champions League final against United, didn't he? Um, but look, like I said, he, he just he revamped that team with like young, hungry players. He got them on side. That little change there about you know them not staying away from the families before them. You know, a game night. He not long retired himself, had he? What eight years before and. He knew what it was to, you know, for players, how much time he spent away from the families and just little things like that change. And when he took over City, I've actually got it here in front of me. Again, this team he took over, it wasn't great. We finished on 66 points. That was the lowest total we'd had in seven years. We were 15 points off the leaders, which I think were Leicester that year. That was the biggest gap in six years. We finished fourth, lowest position in six years. Lost 10 games that year before he come. That was the most in seven seasons. And the team that he inherited, it was the third oldest average starting team in the league. And against the top seven teams that league season, we'd only won one out of 12. But it wasn't like he was taken over um, by, when he took over at Bayern Munich, who just won the treble. He, he, he took over the team who, our four, four fullbacks were Zabaleta, Sanya, Kolarov, and Klichy. Every one of them was over 32. It, it, it was a team that hadn't been, that hadn't been given like. Um, the improvements in the right areas when it needed to it been we've hung on to players a little bit too long, two, three years past the sell by date. Um maybe maybe something that you spoke about before, something that you'll be looking at maybe needing to change a couple of players yourself this season to, to keep things fresh. Wake Ferguson used to do we'd always look to bring a couple of players in to keep everyone on the toes and keep improving things. Um, but going back to the best team, I agree with the lads. Hundred percent that Barcelona team. Some of the Premier League teams we've had, um, you know, yourselves when you you won the Champions League and then the league the following year. You know, us hitting 100 points, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United, all excellent team, but that Barcelona team, maybe we look on it with a bit more nostalgia because they're foreign and you don't see them every week. You don't see them scrape out that 1-0 win away at Granada or something where, you know, you, you maybe see it, you know, an English team scrape a win away at Burnley and think, oh, they're not great. You know, they conceded a couple of chances there, but on their day, they were just unplayable. Um, it'd be interesting to see you know, that team where you won the league last year at its very best, somehow playing against that Barcelona team at its very best or us, and to see how who'd come out on top. I think if he played each other ten times, you know, there'd be quite a few draws in there and a couple of wins each way out of all of them. But I would go for the Barcelona team. I'd be controversial and I think Pep's greatest achievement is Man City, not Barcelona. Because look at what like what Paul's just said, what he come into at City. And he's made City a dominant force in the Premier League. When yet yeah, they've won the league with other managers, but they've been hit and miss every year. They lost ten games before he came in that season. Like Paul just said, I think coming into City and making City what it is now is his greatest achievement in football. I think he had he had the, some of the materials were there already, and yeah. I think some of the players, was, yeah. some of the players are still there. Aguero, Sterling. Company was there at the time, obviously. De Bruyne was there. De Bruyne was there. Yeah. I, I think the, the materials were already there. He just needed to shift out the Deadwood, and everyone could see what the Deadwood was. I don't. I think when he was at Barcelona, no one foresaw that he'd get rid of Ronaldinho, and and the reasons he got rid of Ronaldinho was because he was come, becoming a bad influence. And at that time, being a young manager, I think he was only 38, 39. He'd only been retired a, a year or two. I think he was playing in Mexico, and then yeah. he got the the offer to go and work with the B team. At that time, to be such a young manager and to go in and remove probably still one of the best players in the world 
a fan favourite, popular in the dressing room, to take that decision takes a lot of bollocks, like, let's face it. But I think going into City, he knew what he had to do. And everyone saw it around him. Sanya had to go. Clichy had to go. Joe Hart had to go. I think that was his biggest one, was getting rid of Joe Hart. Because yeah. he, there's, I think there's major English bias for all players, but more so for Joe Hart with him being the English number one. So you think it's a Pickford's bias now, isn't it? In the media, like I everyone. think it's majorly biased with Pickford. Yeah, he's dog shit. Like you never, <laughs> he, he should never be England number one as long as he's got a hole in his ass. He's fucking shite. I just don't <laughs> don't see it with Pickford whatsoever. For me, I think that that Barcelona team, it's gonna be Annie. It's gonna be the best team we've I've ever seen anyway. The best foreign team I've ever seen. Yeah, they were, just, that, they were playing football no one's ever seen before. That's that performance, the 2011 Champions League final. Honestly, if you get a chance to watch it, there's a there's a spell from like the for fifty fifth minute to the eighty fifth minute where I think they have ninety two percent possession and they win the game in that in that spell because I think they score twice. Do you think Pep? I know Barcelona are a massive brand, but do you think Pep's the reason that Barcelona are modern day so big? I think Barcelona have mm. always been a big team as long as long as I've been alive because. Every Were country, they that dominant though in previous Every seasons? country has its own, it's, it's big teams. No, no, but I mean, that season with Pep, like then from, what was it, off your put here, 2008, 2011, have they ever been that dominant under other managers? I don't no. think there's I think, ever been. I think there's a period under Cruyff um, where, they, where they, you know, won um, the league, but I think they didn't win the first European Cup until, I think, Koeman scored for them, I think it was like 91. It was 1992, like, it was, Paul. 92, sorry. Yeah, they haven't really took Real Madrid has won however many trophies in European Cup Champions League before them. Liverpool had won what four before that. Um so domestically they, you know they're one of the main teams, but I think football's changed that much, much hasn't it in the last twenty years with the, you know social media, um you know with Asia and America. I think Barcelona have just exploded as have Real Madrid and, and all the big Premier League clubs. And I think Messi's one of the biggest things for that and also the success that they've had, you know. Remember for years they never even had a sponsor. That was like their thing. They kept a sponsor off the front. They were used to say more than a club. That was like their, their motto. And the, the first year they had a sponsor, I think it was Uni, Unichef or something, a charity. Um, I remember. And that. then they obviously, you know, football, you know, they've then got to try and keep up with the money from the Premier League, and that's why they've yeah, ended up getting a sponsor. And I think they're going when the, the new camp gets done up, they're gonna sell the name and rights to that as well. Which it's sad that football does that, but it's like everything, isn't it? You know. Every patch of a shirt soon will have a sponsorship on it to try and get as much money as that they can, and that's why Barcelona, Real Madrid, Milan, Juventus—they're all desperate for the Super League because the guaranteed, you know, TV revenue that will match the Premier League clubs. But Liverpool, United, City—why would you go in the Super League? You don't need to. Money-wise, you don't need to. With the strongest, most, you know, popular league in the world, I just don't don't think we'll go off and. Join the Super League, it just won't happen. Um, when you've done this, Jay, why is Real Madrid not being included in it? When did he won? Was it three or four Champions Leagues back to back? You said this, didn't you? I did. I Dean, pointed this Dean out. Text, yeah. Dean texted me and said, "Why is there no Real Madrid team when they won three? Or they won four, three or four? And I think four it was four five, when they beat us. Was it four? Three in a row, and and between they won one, and then Barcelona won it, 2015, and they won yeah. three in a row. I didn't, I didn't put them in because. For me, for to be classed as the one of the be, the best team ever, it's got to be le- it's got to be home and abroad. You've yeah. got to dominate at home. 
so the teams the teams that are on there, you bat like that Barcelona team fourteen trophies in four years. Yeah. Like there's the United team from two thousand and seven to two thousand eleven. That like they won four league titles in five years. We can say that now, can't we? Because he's left yeah. for Fergie. <clears throat> look look, I'm not being funny. Four league titles, a Champions League, a League Cup, FIFA World Cup, three community shields. That team is for me doesn't get spoke about a lot. But they reached three Champions League finals in four years. Yeah. I know. You look at really we're just saying Barcelona, the greatest team that we we've seen. They beat them twice in the final. They just just come up against the team that you know on the day just just too good for them. And I think I think there's a game a moment in the game where even like you know how many times would Fergie's team keep going to the last seconds? He was just sat on the bench like the Jay said there at Wembley that period. I don't think he got off for twenty minutes and he just watched the game because he knew it was done. There's nothing nothing he could do. He said he said hasn't he like he. he what you've just said, then you just said, I just watched the game. <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing you can do when a team is that good and is playing that well. But I, 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 I'm glad you brought that game up before Jay, actually, because that's probably my favourite non-Liverpool game I've ever seen. And it's not because of United got turned over; it was because of how good United were. And to be completely honest, United were the best Europe had to offer against Barcelona that season. There was no one came close to those two teams. Is that when Ronnie was at them? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. he, no, 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 he left. He left. He left. But it, it, he, even then, yeah. that was the best the Europe had to offer. That was the the best competition Barcelona could come up against. I'm and he just them. absolutely blew them away. And I don't. I've never seen United treated like that with just such disrespect. Like they were just absolutely torn limb from limb. Vidic and Ferdinand didn't even know they were fucking coming or going. When you look at that United side at that time. We had Liverpool had a really good side, brilliant. Was that when we had Torres, Mascherano, the span, yeah, the span, the span of that, of that team was brilliant. It was, it was Reina, Carragher, Reina, Carragher, Scale, Daniel Agger. Oh, I prefer Agger. Agger, let's go for Mascherano, Alonso, Gerrard. You know Torres, Dick Kout. Let's put Kout in there. Kout deserves to be in there, big game player. I, I, I think if you talk in strength and depth this season, there was no fucking strength and depth in that team. Because our sense it was David and Go. And if we lost, we had Fabio Relio, we had legs made of crisps. We had <laughs> Alvaro Arbelo, where he got nosebleeds when he went above the halfway line. Went, but he went to Madrid, though, and, and was a different player. Right? Yeah, well, he had, it was three, I think he just bought some because he was a bargain. I think he was three and a half million and he needed to fill a Champions League homegrown quota or something because he started at Real Madrid, didn't he? And we went out and bought Glenn Johnson. And I think, honestly, if we'd have had Glenn Johnson the season before, that would have been a, ma- a massive difference for us because we had a little bit of width. Is that the year when we drew uh, like nine or ten games? Yeah. We lost twice. It always cost us. But coming up against that United side, I think that Liverpool team, in any other era, any other spell, wins the league. But yeah. do you come up against that unbelievable man United side? Who again, just like three three Champions League finals in four years. Mm. Oh, to only be beaten by Pep's Barcelona. As much as we fucking hate them, that's like... I think you're making enough to actually. Push them like that. Don't buy you then. Go on. Three, what I was saying. Three Champions League finals. Three Champions League finals. To get to three Champions League finals in four years and to only be beaten by Pep's Barca, like, that's some going in it, as much as we hate them. Well, we could do that. If we get there this year, we've got a three and four years and yeah. maybe only being beat by mm-hmm. by Zidane's thing, which moves me on to Liverpool. Should we be spoken about in that, considering we've only won 
say we've only won we've won the Champions League, Super Cup, Club, World Cup, and Premier League. But when you think about where Klopp's taken us from, should we be spoken about in one of the greatest sides ever? Let Paul speak about that because I'm I'll be we're clearly biased, we're, we're aren't we? Biased, <laughs> Go on, what think, do you think for? I think the Liverpool team of the last two years, so we're looking nineteen twenty when you won the league and eighteen nineteen when you you won the Champions League and finished second. I think that that's the best Liverpool team I've ever seen. Obviously, people before me will say team, you know, the team of the eighties and the seventies or whatever. But it's the best Liverpool team in the Premier League era by a mile. Um, and like I said to you before, if you put the team on paper at its peak against Barcelona when they won their finals, if you play each other like on like a, on, a, on a FIFA and the levels, you know. Realistic, it'd be nothing in the game. They really wouldn't. I think we've been very fortunate the last three years as a fan of City and you boys, fans of Liverpool. That, that the football that you've watched, I remember at one point, I think Pep 100 point year now, sitting there like in a way getting depressed, thinking it's never going to get better than this ever. And it, obviously, it's, you know, things change and you know, you, you still you still play good football, but you. Imagine being a Barcelona fan, looking back the nostalgia of that, like you know the amount of trophies that they won and what they're going through now. But they'll, they'll come back strong eventually, Barcelona. But going back to Liverpool, then it, it was an unbelievable team that you could really, you knew what the team was going to be. Pretty much every single week, it'd be like you've just read the Barcelona team there before. I bet that was a team that played like ninety percent of the games. Your Liverpool team: Allison, Trent, Matip or Gomez with Van Dijk, Robertson left back, um, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Henderson. And then the front three, you knew what it was every single week, and you knew what you were going to get with them. You, Salah was the captain of your fancy team every single week because you just knew he, he's going on a pitch and scoring. Um, it up there, lived that Liverpool team from last year. Um, it's definitely up there in the conversation, the best ever Premier League team. It, 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 no, it, I, I, people are going about Arsenal being on the, the Invincibles, and it, it was a great team, but I think your team from last year slaps them. I think we would slap them as well from the time before, um, and that's not meaning to be disrespectful to us. And I think the level the last few years has just been raised. I think the best Premier League teams of all time is yours from last season. Ours over those two years, um, probably Fergie's as well. Uh, one of Fergie's teams. Just you, you'll look back on this Liverpool team in 10, 15 years, and it, it'll go down as one of the greatest all-time Liverpool teams. But I have no doubt about that. And also in the history of football, it'll be spoken of. On podcasts in Germany, Spain, Italy, they'll be talking about it. You know, kids will be growing up with memories of it. It's, you know, that Barcelona game where you won the Champions League game, where Trent took that quick corner. Again, that was just, it, it was incredible to watch. Just the game, it was just, I think it, you, Barcelona, you were playing. You weren't playing Monaco. Or we were Leon playing a false strength Barcelona playing, as well uh, with Divock Origi. <laughs> we were playing a Barcelona side that beaten us 3 0 two weeks previous. Yeah, could have been four as well with Dembele when he went through it then and messed up, didn't it? You mm. know, and, and you've gone and just absolutely turned him over 4 0. I think if Dembele had scored that night to make it 4 0, I still think you'd have beaten him 5 0 at home. I think it was just, it was between your teeth there, it was not stopping us. Even Who was injured that night out your front three? Oh, yeah, Salah. No, yeah, Firmino Sal- and Salah. Salah and Firmino and Jimmy. So, so it was Mane, Shakiri and Firmino up front there, uh, Yeah. Unbelievable that one, it really. When you, you look back and think now, what 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 happened that night? You should. There's no way you should have got through. It, like old common sense says, you're three 0 down from the first leg. 
I don't see no flat of Barcelona to be honest. But when you look the back, first leg, the first leg, it def- definitely did from what I remember. I don't think yeah, we battered them, but it was like when Messi scoring forty-five yard free kicks. It's... Yeah, he put that free kick in, didn't he? Um, and common sense says, you know, you've just been beaten three 0 Barcelona are coming. You've got two of your best players out. Um, did Wijnaldum even start on the bench that day? Yeah, and he come yeah. on and made a big difference. And well, who was your midfield three being then? Fabinho. It was Henderson, the Brexit one. He- Henderson, Henderson, Fabinho, yeah. Milner. Yeah, and we had to, I think yeah. Robertson went off at half time, didn't he? Had to yeah. move Milner to left back. Yeah, and, and Milner, Gini Milner just chief. collapsed at full time. You remember, he was over in the corner holding the ball up and just hit the deck. He'd put a shift in. I think that game was just pure force of will. Do you it think if you would have got the final that year, Paul, you would have beat us? On your performance in the final, yeah. But I don't know if that's because you scored early and you just you just controlled the game. Um, if you remember correctly though Paul there was three weeks between the end of the season and the final being played Yeah, and I think Spurs went into it a little bit rusty as well it was a very slow game well Kane was struggling wasn't he Kane was touching goal mm. I don't think Kane had played the semi-finals against Ajax and I don't think he played the quarters against us it was Son who caused us the trouble um, he gets injured in, in the first leg doesn't he goes yeah. off first 10 minutes in the first leg yeah so again it, it would have been an unbelievable final the fact that we just gone for the league I don't know if if we'd have beaten Tottenham, um, I don't know whether we'd have won the league because, you know, we'd have then had, you know, two more games with Ajax in the Champions League and, you know, as good as we were, we won 1-0 against Spurs in that run and Foden scored a diving header. We went 1-1-0 against Burnley, uh, Aguero just over the line and then, you know, company's goal as well against Leicester. So That won you just, the league, that goal, didn't it? Oh, it's unbelievable. Um so you just think if we'd have got to that Champions League final, you just don't know. We we might have we might not have been able to maintain, you know, our league form. But I, I wouldn't have swapped it. I'd rather have won the league than the Champions League. No, I, I, I I sorry, Paul. I agree with Paul. I don't think they'll win the league because I think we were putting so much pressure on them, and I think that's why last season they broke. I think we just broke them mentally. They just couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't keep up with it. And I think it all it all started at the end of 17-18. I think all season went right to the last day. I don't think Pep expected us to get 98 points. Was it ni- We got 97, didn't we, that season? They got 98. Yeah. I'm right, yeah. yeah. And then last season, we got 99. I think we just broke City mentally last season. I, I think uh, I think last season, uh, I, just said, I think it was a perfect storm for you. You'd won the Champions League. So that was like, you know, a big, big, obviously a massive trophy. It gave, like, your likes of Henderson... You know, is that was that the first trophy he's won? Mm. Um, Apart from the league, you know, a lot of other players like Robertson, Trent, um, obviously Van Dijk had won stuff in Scotland. It, it just gave them that belief and like the perfect storm. We started the season well. I think we we both won convincingly. Who did you play first game? Was it Norwich? Norwich, yeah. yeah. We went to West Ham and, and smashed them. And I thought it's gonna be exactly the same as last season. We then played Spurs at home and we were unbelievable. We drew two two. The same thing remember, happened, didn't it? It was the, what mate? The same thing happened in in the. Um... This was in the Champions League. You scored last minute, didn't you? And it got ruled out. Well, the corner come in and Eric Dyer and Laporte both went for the header and the ball came off both arms. So no one's really got... But then it was it was the rule of if it touches someone's hand in the build to a goal, it's disallowed no matter what. Even though it wouldn't have been a penalty given against Dyer, the goal was given disallowed because it hit Laporte's hand yeah. and then it went through to Jesus and scored. I, and then from then on, um, you never look back. You just smash and teach of fun. Like I said, I mentioned before, that goal with Wijnaldum against Chef United, little things like that were going for you. And another thing as well, like a twist of faith, we started the season with three centre-halves. Company had 
announced he was leaving after the cup final in May. So then we had a deal lined up for Chilwell at left back. Um, and we then had to focus all our attention on the centre half. And then it all went on to Harry Maguire then. And we wouldn't pay the money that United would. Otamendi was going. Um, and we had to change our plans. So we started the season with Laporte, Otamendi, Stones, and like you, three senior centre halves, with Fabinho to be your fourth choice. And Fernandinho was going to be our fourth choice. And okay, we didn't get like the injuries that you've had, but Laporte was obviously out for the season. Otamendi's head was already out the door. And he wasn't the best, you know, when his, his head was on it. And John Stones was, was hardly available. And you just kicked on and kicked on and kicked on. We, we couldn't keep up with you. And like I said, you sort of made the same mistake we did this season. You started the season with three senior centre-halves. You'd sold Lovren. You had Matt up there in the three, who, I don't know what his record was like last season. I think he's one of the... think. Ten games, he's probably going to be unavailable. Five, so you're looking then at hoping that Gomez and Van Dijk and obviously horrific injuries that you don't want anyone to to receive. The both players received them and it's it, it massively bit you on the arse this season. But I do think that's a bit of um neglect on on you know behalf of your of you you know your transfer selections that you've gone into the season with two centre halves you can rely on and Matip. Um and this season I think we just we learned our lesson. We thought like, where are the gaps in the squad? Let's just um, and again, strange things at the start of the season. It's me the start of the season. What our centre half partnership would have been in August, but obviously the transfer rumours. I thought it was going to be Kula Bali and Laporte. We were all in for Kula Bali, um, and we couldn't agree a fee. Then we were after Koundé at Seville. I don't know if you've seen him at French lad. He was a good centre half. Diaz come from nowhere. We only got Diaz because Benfica got knocked out the Champions League in the in the qualifying stage, and then Stones was going. Stones was going. It was just that Garcia said. He wouldn't sign a new contract. And it's just strange that two players now have formed the bedrock of this team, Stones and, and Diaz. And they've both been incredible as the way your centre-arts were a few last season. So I can't even remember what my original point was, but it's um, it's just strange how, how it can work out sometimes. That said, two centre-arts there who Stones wouldn't have been in any City team selecting at the start of the season. And I guarantee probably half of us didn't even know who Diaz was. Um which is a bit, a bit uh, lucky for us how it's worked out. Before we go, I want to uh, speak to you about out of these teams, one of the common factors, Klopp and, and Pep, who's the better manager? Now, I'm biased in a sense of, I think Klopp's the better manager because I don't think Pep could go into teams like Dortmund and Liverpool with sleeping giants and turn them around. I think Pep needs to go to teams that have, although he's made City better, he's made Barca better, he's made Bayern better, they already had the, the foundations where Klopp didn't. So I'll start with you, Jay. Who's the best manager? Because we've had this discussion before, so I think I know what you're going to say. Um, but I, I think about it in the sense of what Klopp's done at Dortmund, what Klopp's done at Mainz, and what Klopp's done at Liverpool, and and what players he had when he came in, and then put think about that before you make a decision. It's mad the way you just tried to influence me then, and <laughs> say fuck all about Pep. Um, now, my opinion is always based on. Two, two different things. It might be because I'm involved, you might be the same, Paul might be the same, because we are, we do teams and we're involved in footy, so we see the two sides of it. The side of, of coaching and short-term and short success, yeah, which everybody wants short, short-term success. You're a fucking liar if you say, if you, say you don't. It's got to be Pep. Pep is an unbelievable coach. Go all... 
the way to justify your arguments about Pep is always go back to that first season at Barcelona of a team who were beaten 4 0. And when I say beaten, I mean slapped a, like at home to Real Madrid or away to Real Madrid. They slapped them, Madrid pissed the league. To then go in and in the short in the short space of time of six weeks, eight week pre season and win six trophies. I think short term wise, it's Pep all day. And you look at your your Bayern Munich, he continued that dominance in Germany and yeah, he didn't win the Champions League, but domestically yeah. he, he pissed it. And then you look at the way he's done it at City. Granted, first season didn't win nothing. Second season, pissed the league. 100 points. Third season, was was it was us who've pushed them. Who pushed them otherwise. If it were, if we weren't there and we were, you know, still building, they piss it again with 99 points. And it looks like they're going to do it again this season. Consistent, consistent short-term success is, is, for me is Pep. But then on the other side of it, you look at the man management way and you look at the relationships that Klopp has with his players. And for me, every Liverpool player would do anything. If Klopp asked them to jump, jump off Runcorn Bridge and swim into the, the Irish Sea, Sand will do it. I don't think you get that with Pep because it's just some of the stories. You look at the thing about Etu, you look at the thing about Yaya. For me, Claudio Bravo, the way he treated him, was, was something. But long term in the project, it's Klopp. You look at Mines, done really well at Mines, took them up. Dortmund. I think he'd finished twelfth, fourteenth, when well, they when we, when they give him the job. They were going into administration. Yeah, they were going out of business. Won won the league consecutive Champions League final. Yeah, they didn't end well. They had that season where they were in a relegation battle. <laughs> but and then he comes to us. Would you not say Klopp makes players better then when you look at the players who Klopp's? I think Klopp's make Klopp makes clubs better. Not individual players. Well, to make a club better, you've got to make your individual players better. The argument, it's a fucking brilliant argument. And I don't think you can sit there and say he's a better manager than him and he's a better manager than him because there's all different ways of looking at it. If it's trophies, it's Pep. If it's consistency and, you know, style of play and overall club, the way a club works and the way a club rises through from almost going out of business and shite, mediocre to winning leagues, it's Klopp. There's, two, there's always two ways of looking at it for me and it's, it's fucking it's hard it's like saying who's better in the prime Pep or Mourinho again I don't think there's never a clear answer for me what about you Dean? just wound up the argument for me there <laughs> just saying I can't answer um, for me, I agree I agree with the, with the short term success because it keeps you in a job short term success Yeah. so uh, yeah, I agree. I think a Barcelona Pep was in a position Klopp has been into every club he's been into, though. And I think since since Barcelona, uh, going into City and going into Bayern, Pep was allowed a lot of time to put his stamp on things, although he didn't really need it, because the quality was already there. At Bayern, the quality was already there. At City, the quality was already there. Whereas for Klopp, I think... He went to Dortmund because he did well at Mainz, but his barometer of success wasn't trophies because he was never going to win for all at Mainz. They were, they were lucky to be in the division. He got them there. Yeah, you know what I mean? He, he's proven it on different levels, Klopp. And I think to do it on a shoestring as well, 
to do it with nothing at Mainz, to do it with nothing at Dortmund, shows the acumen he's got, not just as a, as a coach, but as a manager as well, to improve those players. But then he's taken players like Robert Lewandowski, he signed for three and a half million. And, right, he went for three, but what is Robert, Robert Lewandowski now? Partly down to Jürgen Klopp. Probably the yeah. best centre-forward mm. in the world. He still calls all his players, don't he, my players? Yeah, exactly, because they are, they wear all his players. Yeah, Mario Goethe. You took Mario Goethe from the, from Goethe. the academy. Goethe. <laughs> <laughs> Were you, are you taking Goethe. piss out of my German? Goethe. <laughs> Tory. Um, <laughs> he took Goethe out of the academy and he sold him for 37.5 million. And then a couple of years later, brought him back for free. <laughs> so I think, and to do what he did with Dortmund, I mean, Dortmund, as I said, they were going, in, they were in administration when he took over. He took them to two league titles on the bounce and a, and a Champions League final. And I'll argue with still one of the, the biggest sides in Germany. Yeah, they're the only side in Germany Incredible to, to challenge Bayern every year, and that's from Klopp. That's from nobody else. That's all come from Klopp. The, the blueprint that, and you could say the similar to be fair, because the blueprint that Guardiola put in place at Barcelona, Klopp did at Dortmund. And Dortmund, I wouldn't say they were not on before Klopp because they had the Champions League under the belt themselves. And Matthias Sammer was a really good manager for them in the early 2000s. But before Klopp, they were only going one way, and it was backwards. Yeah. And I think since Klopp, He's turned things round massively. They're one of the most successful clubs in Germany, financially and commercially. The probably the second name everyone looks for in the Bundesliga, and that's only because Bayern have pissed it every season for the past ten years. Um, and I think it, it took Klopp to get to Liverpool to be able to get that time. And he hasn't. I think with Klopp, he hasn't just managed the team. He managed a very very tricky situation because when Rodgers left, it was going sort of back to. Oh, it was pre pre Hodgson in a way. Yeah. It was probably the end the, when Rogers left, it was very similar to the way when Benitez left. Fans were starting to splinter off, and it was starting to get a little bit antsy. And people, there was Sour, different types of fans wanted different things. And I think Klopp come in and just brought the whole club back together. The best season I seen pre Klopp was the season Rogers took us to the brink of the league and. Everyone was pushing in the right direction. There was no talk about what was going on off the field. There was no talk about players. There was no talk about what he's doing in his personal life. He's got a new contract. We're after him in the summer. He wants to fuck off in the summer. Not even we all knew Suarez was going to go, but no one spoke about it. Well, in yeah. that in that period, and for me, that little six month, three well, I think it was like three or four months really. That little three month gap was a lovely little golden period for me as a Liverpool fan. And I think Klopp brought that back and extended it over four years. Like we've got that four-year period back where no one's taught, no one wants to leave. There's no ructions from the owners. There's no infighting. There's no fans fucking wanting to get the owners out. And it, for the past four years, it's just been so nice to be a Liverpool fan. And there's no one else to thank for that, for that but Jurgen Klopp. I agree with you. Completely agree with you. What about you, Paul? Pep or Klopp? Uh, <laughs> the table's a bit loaded against me, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, I don't want to be disrespectful to Klopp because I think he's. He's the perfect manager for you. I think the biggest compliment I can pay him is if Pep had never come to City, I would have loved to be our manager. Uh, I think he would have done been brilliant for us. Uh, but for me, it's Pep. I think we spoke about his team before at Barca. People say, oh, he's only done it. At, you know, he can only do it at the big clubs. Barca before that, they, were, they hadn't won the Champions League that year. They, they were on, they were on the way down. Discipline was down. He just he improved things. He does and. He gets players buying into it. Yeah, he falls out with players, but every manager falls out with players. Um, he, in his first season at Barca B, 
he turned things around from there. He then promoted the likes of said Pedro, Busquets, um, built a team around Messi. Yeah, look at the money Messi did for him. Messi was just he obviously wasn't didn't have the um, the stature that he's got now at the time, but you know, yeah, like Messi just pressing everything. You know, Henri, Henri was like one of the best Premier League players of all time. He signed for Barca and he said to Henri, You're gonna play on the left. And Henri followed it. You listen now to what Henri, Henri loves him. Henri just can't speak highly enough of him. He, you know, he said to him, you know, go and play on the left. He took Henri off in a game. They were winning that. Henri was doing well because he wasn't following instructions. Henri never made that mistake again. He followed his instructions again. He went to Bayern. Okay. Bayern had just won the treble and obviously in a, a massive position of strength. Then you look at like players like Philip Lahm. You know, how great was Philip Lahm as a right back? And then he, he bangs him in centre mid and it's like, Philip Lahm's like, what's going on here? And, he, you know, he becomes one of the best players there. Uh, for doing that and then again like I said I don't really know a great deal about his time at Bayern as much to do at Barca but you know he won the league three years on the run I think he won the cup twice out of those three years maybe uh, and semi-finals in the Champions League um, so his time at City again he's just raised the level in the Prem took us to 100 points you you know he, he, us two pushed each other the following year um, I think he's just he, he's just I think City I think if Pep was at Liverpool or Man United, he'd get a lot more praise in the media than what he does do at City. Um, we won the FA Cup a few years ago against Watford, and the first question wasn't like, you know, fantastic, well done, Pep. It was something like, are you getting paid? Um, are you getting paid into a secret account the way, you know, Roberto Mancini got paid off? Something disrespectful like that. I just don't think he's going to get the credit that he deserves. Um from the neutral said that he was at Liverpool Man United, he would get a lot more praise um, from the written media. Um, but that doesn't bother me at all. He, I think he's the best manager of all time. He's the he'll be, he, You look at him now, this is what his fifth year at City, he did four at Barca. He only wanted to do three at Barca. He wanted to go out and he got persuaded to stay for the fourth and he was knackered. He was burnt out. Um, the battles, constant battles with Madrid and Mourinho um, from that first season when Mourinho was there and he, he just had enough. He wanted to go at Bayern, he said he, he won everything there that he could bar the Champions League. Uh, and then again, with City now, no one expected him to come to City. His book, it's, sorry, in Balagay's book, it spoke about Mourinho, which, uh, sorry, Guardiola was talking about going to Man United. He's going to come to England, he's going to Man United. And if one of my mates used to say that, he said, he's not coming to he's going to go to Man United. It said in a book, but the time that he spoke about Man United, Man United runs a fair then, absolutely flying. City, went, we weren't on the radar, we were... We were a mid to bottom table Premier League team then. So why would he have come to us? And he's just the, the whole club's geared up to him. The director of football is his best mate. Soriano, again, um, is a friend of his from Barcelona. The whole club's geared up for him. And he's just signed an, a longer contract than no one expected him to. Um, and I think he's, he's just happy where he is. And I think we're both we're fortunate that we've got managers. Um, the, the two best coaches, in my opinion, in the world at the moment, and the probably. He was right in what he was saying. Anyway, we yeah. are very fortunate that we've got two of the best, best managers. I think he, what he uh, one point Paul did make about it, it was all set up for Pep at City to have because he brought in Chiqui and he brought in Ferran and, he, and, and every, everything was set up there for Pep to, to walk into. I think they've been plotting that for a while because I think they were there for a good couple of years, weren't they, first, Paul? 
Yeah, they wanted him when um, I can't believe you pulled the plug on me there, lads. You know, <laughs> hey, you froze. <laughs> tipping the scales. Uh, back it was the, it was the um, first time you were going. All, you were going all in about how good Jurgen Klopp was. We wouldn't pull the plug <laughs> on you there. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I was just saying anyway about how great you both were. But no, you're right there by saying the club is the club being geared up for a few years. We we did want him before he went to Bayern, and also United wanted him. Fergie made a big pitch to him in New York to go there when he was on a sabbatical. The club, it, it's geared up for him. It's it's his club. It's he does stuff uh, like the Bernardo thing the other year, but when, when he um, got accused of racism with that picture of Mendy, and to be fair, he probably Pep probably made it worse than what it was with his defence and going on about it. And he brought it up recently. Um, I've seen that. Someone in the said, club um, maybe just said to him. He said that know, he said that Bernardo didn't react well to the ban or, or the fine or whatever he got, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he said, he said, you know, he got accused of being a racist and he's not a racist and he just brought that up again. Whereas I think some clubs, the you know, the media um, officer would have just said, you know, let's, let's move away from that. But he's just got free reign. The whole club's built for him at the moment. Everything through to the academy, they're all, we've got like um, Spanish coaches taking the youth teams for an under-19, under-18 level. Uh, and the whole club is geared to the way Barcelona was. But um, they said they've moved away from it a little bit now and we are, it's just all about him. So for me, out of the two, Pep, that's being loyal. But so I wouldn't mind if if Pep had never took over and Pep had took over us. I think he would have, he would have done well for us. And I said that's the highest compliment I can pay him. I would, as a player, I would I would have liked to play for Klopp uh, the way he is. But Pep's still number one for me. Before we go, then. Um... I'm going to get some score predictions off you. So we'll leave team predictions because it's too hard. Give us a score prediction for the... It's arguably the two greatest managers of the modern day going up against each other. Two of the best teams ever in the Premier League. What's the score, Jay? I want to go with and be really positive and really confident. Would it, uh, personally, I'd take a draw. And a 1-1 one, one, or 2-2. Two, two. It all depends how Liverpool come out in the first 10 minutes. If Liverpool come out in the first 10 minutes and play like they did against Brighton yesterday, Liverpool will get slapped. If they come out and play the way they did against Tottenham, it'll be a really good game. I think it'll be a really tight game. Um, I'm going to say 1-1. I'm surprised with you on that. Surprised. Very, very surprised. Because I think we'll batter them. I think it, it'll be similar to previous seasons where, uh, like that Champions League game, nobody expected Liverpool to come out and batter City the way we did that year. Nobody, everyone's wrote Liverpool off in this game on Sunday. Everyone. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're wrong as well. But in that year, no one expected Liverpool to come out and batter mm. City. And I think this weekend, nobody's going to expect us to come out and even get a win. And I think we're just going to turn up and, and batter them. I reckon about 3-1. What do you reckon, Dean? Um... I don't know. I think I think there's def. It's one of them. It's either gonna be loads of goals or nil nil. Um, I think if if anyone's gonna win, I do think it'll be Liverpool. I think these are these are the games where Liverpool turn up. We don't take teams like City lightly, and City play in a way that is perfectly suited to Liverpool. And I do think I agree with what Paul said earlier. To be fair, I don't think Pep's gonna turn up and defend. I think Pep's gonna turn up and try and control the game. And he, yeah. he's, he has done all, every time we played them, and I don't see Sunday being any different. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be quite a high-scoring game. I think it'll be. I think we'll win. I think we'll blitz them early on, but I think 
they'll start coming into it again quite late on, and they'll probably get two late goals. I think it's going to be three two. What about you, Paul? Three two to who was that? Was that the city? No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going two 0 city. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna surprise you. I think we're gonna. I don't know how much you've seen of us this season. We are solid. Um, I, I think I think when you when you when you like you play you played yourself or whatever and I, I was always, always a defender and if you know you go into a game and you might have kept a clean sheet the week before and I knew you you sent it our partnership and the keeper to go and clean sheets again and the forwards aren't asked about that but then I think once you get to like having kept five six clean sheets on the, the spin the forwards are buying into it then and the whole team it's not then just Stones and Diaz and Edison wanting a clean sheet it's the whole team as well Um. I think two. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 City. I think we'll score off a corner as well. Um, and I think we'll... I think it'll be... I think I think we'll control the game. I think we'll, we'll, we'll really will. I think we'll control and set the, set the pace and set the tempo. Um, I just hope there's no no stupid VAR, no no silly red card, anything like that. I'm just looking forward to a good game. Um, it's nice to go there with a, with a bit of pressure off and not won there since Anelka scored in 2003, was it? Yeah, it's 18 years now. And, and we've been to it in League Cup games, um, Champions League games, and like midweek games under the lights, and there's no fans there. You're not on a good run. We're looking strong. It's time for us to get this monkey off our back and, and beat you. And I think if we can beat you, that sets us up in the future for going there to something you know to, just to get rid of it. Then just think you know we can, we can go there with, without any fear. Um, so I'm going two nil. If you beat you two nil, I think you're dead. Don't think you don't think you don't think you're getting anything. In the, I think the, the league's gone for you. If you beat you two nil, I think if you win, it'll be a shot in the arm for you. Um, it'll claw you back a little bit, but I don't think it'll be too damaging for us. I think we've we've got a good mindset. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good game. I haven't got a clue what our team will be. Um, and I've got a clue what yours will be either. I don't I don't think you should get a call on it because I don't think no, nobody understands just how good those and Kabak is in the air. He, he, <laughs> he does honest to God, when you come off this, go and have a look how many duels he's lost. Stop fucking jinxing us. I swear to you, Jake. <laughs> I'm telling you now, <laughs> if if Bernardo Silva wins at Edda in the box and fucking scores. I'm going to throw something at you. Is that Honestly. why you're not giving a true score prediction and you're going with one all? No, just... I, I'm just not... Honest to God, go and look at that. Like people think that he's bad because he's come from Schalke, but go and look at his stats. He doesn't get beat in the air. Who's, who's your key man going to be on Sunday? Um, Henderson. I think, yeah, I think, Henderson. Yeah. I think for Henderson, but I think if... Allison. If we play if we play them two defenders, I think yeah. Fabinho will be key going back in the six. I think that'll... You'll see a different light of Liverpool to what we've seen all season, but if Fabinho's playing centre back, Henderson. Yeah, I think Henderson. I think Henderson. It, it hangs on when Henderson plays centre half or set, or defensive mid. I think he definitely plays, and I think if, if Fabinho's fit, he'll obviously play. If and Alice, Jota could be on the bench as well. God, I can't see Jota being there. I can't see Jota being back. I, I think, think he did. He won't play. I think the build up for the Tottenham game in. November, December, when they were saying it's either these two who are going to win the title. I think that's true more for this game. I still think, like, I don't think we will win the league, but I don't think... It's over, yeah. No, not that I don't think it's over. I just don't think United are that 
are going to be that much of a viable. So do you think we're, we're more likely to challenge City than United? Yeah, but I still don't think. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. I think it's more. We'll just be closer. It's yeah, we'll be when closer to City. United are going to start playing Thursday Sunday. That, that yeah. will out. I mean, sure. they might not. They might go out. They straight away. I, th- to play I think. Had. I think the break in European football has benefited them. Yeah, I think it could potentially have benefited City. It, it's fucking. Don't know what it's done to us. It's fucking. It's, hard, it, us. it's hardly been a break though, has it? We're still playing Tuesday. Like, yeah, Saturday, so, it's, yeah. so it's hardly been a break. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's benefited us in the fact that we're now playing teams like Burnley midweek, and they've just played the weekend before. Normally, you go to Burnley or Palace, and they've had a free weekend. You played, you travelled to Germany on a Wednesday night or something like that, and you come back a bit more of a level. But it we found since November started, teams like Southampton, uh, Everton, uh, Villa, when they're having to play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, the, the squads aren't big enough, and they're not conditioned to do it the way like us yourselves, United have been. Um, and I think that that that's why we've both well, the gap opened up now between you know how how clustered was it. You know, we were eighth, ninth at one point, and once the team once the team started to play two two games a week, they, they couldn't hack it. They really couldn't. And um, I think that we've we've had a good run of games where we've played teams like that who, who've played two games a week, and we just can't do it. We can't hack it. Um, and that's why I just think I think we've got ourselves in a great position now, and we're in front. We've got our nose in front, and Sunday's massive. It really is. We can just we can put a nail in your coffin. I think even if we win, you you'll still win the league. With your games in hand, and I, I, think, I don't think the league's possible for yeah. Liverpool now. I agree with Paul as well. I just think they're a different animal this season. They're much improved than any other season. You have to say they're a better all-round side than the team that won the league by 100 points, I think. Yeah. Part of that, that season was everyone was so far below them. Yeah. And I think the past two seasons, we've sort of caught up. But it just proves this football cyclical. And our cycle, I think, even in the long term, is coming to an end. Um, and I think that City are a much better all-round side than we've probably ever seen, to be honest. It's a good way to end it. Nice ones to Jay, Dean and Paul for all coming on. Um, hopefully Paul's wrong and we're right <laughs> on the weekend. Hopefully I can text Paul and be like, ha! <laughs> well, lads, thanks for having me on. Hopefully um, it's a good game on Sunday. Good luck. And hopefully we might meet each other in the each other in the Champions League this season and I can drive do off. another game I drive enough <laughs> <laughs> nice one see you later boys thank you bye